Welcome back to our Pirkei Avot class. We are now in the second chapter, as you know. The second chapter of Pirkei Avot. We are hearing, we start at the beginning of the chapter, some of the incredible ideas from the family of um, Rabbi Huda Nasi. And we're going to be talking about, um, first of all, we're going to begin with Rabbi Huda Nasi himself. We're going to finish off what he began. Rabbi Oimer, we began in the uh, Perek. We're going to finish off um, Rebbe's uh, um, statements because he has a third thing to add to that which he has already said. And then we're going to talk, we're going to discuss something from his son, uh, Rabban Gamliel Benoi Shor Rebbe Yehuda Hanasi. So let's begin with the final statement of Rebbe. So Rebbe says as follows, This is most appropriate, we're giving this shir in Elul, very appropriate for us to consider and to reflect on in this period before Yom Hadin. He says it's important that you should look at three things. And if you look at those three things, histakel is a bit more than look. It means um, delve deeply into, really take into very deep consideration. Three things you should be thinking about. What are they? Da Ma lemala mimach. So the first thing, this is a sort of heading. Remember, know, appreciate that which is above you. Now, we're not talking about physical heights. Remember the story in Parshas Noach about the Migdal Bovel, about the Tower of Babel, and they wanted to build a tower so that they could extend it to the heaven. They had a very primitive understanding of up above and down below. But we have obviously um, we have gone beyond that very primitive, very basic understanding of above and below. And when we say shamayim, we don't mean the sky. When we say heaven, we don't mean the uh, heavens above us in a physical sense, in a material sense. What we mean is, of course, that there are things which are beyond our comprehension. And primary among those is God. God is lemaalo above that means beyond god is something that we can uh, know exists even though we can't truly understand we can't truly appreciate but to the extent that we know that god is above us listen to what rebbe tells us so he says three things ayin roya so i would imagine that when rebbe huda hanossi was writing a pirke avot mishnais he was not, he was not uh, familiar with CCTV. He wasn't somebody who'd ever seen um, modern technology. And therefore this concept that that which you do is recorded for posterity was not something he could ever have contemplated. He contemplated it from a spiritual sense. And what does that mean? Ayin Roya. God is the ultimate closed circuit television. Uh, God is the ultimate eye that can see, following you and seeing you. And it's not like George Orwell's big brother is watching you. No. We have a great advantage in that God is constantly beside us and with us. I spoke about it in my shir a little bit earlier on, that God accompanies us wherever we go. The advantage is that we have him in close proximity to the extent that we might think it's a disadvantage, it means that we're never alone and therefore there's no such thing as privacy. 
right? Says Rebbe, no, that's not a disadvantage at all. That's a great advantage. Don't ever imagine that there is such a thing as behind closed doors. Yes, of course, you've got different places in your life. You've got your home, you've got your workplace, you've, when you're in a store, when you're sitting in a bus. I remember my father used to say, and people used to um, shout in shul, used to get into arguments in shul. I, I know it's very hard to believe that people ever get into an argument, particularly in shul. And uh, anyway, but people did occasionally, can you imagine that? People would get into an argument in shul. The window should be open, the window should be closed. The chazan's going on too long, he's not saying the words properly. The rabbi's joshua was no, whatever it was, they would start an argument, people start shouting at each other, take it. So um, people would say, you know, in the shul, ah, don't go crazy with him, it's not fair, he's getting upset, it's not. My father used to say, does he behave like that when he's on the bus? Does he behave like that when he's in an aeroplane? Does he start shouting and screaming with people at people because he doesn't like something? That if the answer is no, then that's not the way he should behave in shul. In other words, even though we have different locations where people live and conduct their lives, we should always remember that our behavior in one place should be the behavior in another place, that we should not modify or allow our God to slip when it comes to the way we conduct ourselves in a different location. Why? Ultimately, I mean, there's a million answers to this. I would put it differently. There's many different shades of answer to this, but the ultimate answer is Ayin Roya. Who you are as a person shouldn't change just because you are in different circumstances, because God is with you wherever you are. God accompanies you in every place that you are and that you're going. And that being the case, we, should, we must take that into consideration if we are to conduct ourselves properly, if we are to live up to the ethical standards that are expected of us. The oizen shoimas. You know there is a, an ear, God as it were, we're speaking about him anthropomorphically, but there is an ear that can hear. You know that closed circuit television can see what people do, but can't always hear what they're saying. You know, if I were now to press the mute button on my Zoom, you could see my mouth move, and I might be smiling, and he may be thinking, he's saying, oh, it's so nice to be here on the Zoom, and what I might actually be saying, obviously, I hope that you can't lip read, but what I might actually be saying is, it's terrible, I don't want to be here, but I'm just smiling, so you've got no idea what I'm saying. Says Rebbe, Rebbe Yehuda Hanasi, it's not that just God can see what you're doing. God can hear. And by the way, God doesn't just hear what comes out of your mouth. God hears what's going on in your thoughts. And therefore, we need to work on ourselves. This is the ultimate reminder of the fact that we are fragile. Our personalities, our characters are fragile. And that we need to constantly remind ourselves, we need to constantly update our attitude so that we're not going to do something which the Ayin Roya and the Oizen Shoma'as is not going to be happy with. Because, da ma'la ma'la mimcha. Because you need to remember, that's what Rebbe is saying, who is above us. Not above us in terms of at the top of Mount Everest, but who is capable of seeing you even when there isn't CCTV, and even when, there, uh, and even when you think there's no mute, 
Hashem is with us. And finally, v'chol ma'asecha ba'sefer nichtovin. You know, and this we're going to talk a lot about on Rosh Hashanah, it's part of the tefillos, you know that um, we don't have particularly good memories. Human beings don't have the best memories. We don't remember everything. Our brain has a capacity to remember a lot, but um, we also have an incredible capacity for forgetfulness. Why? Because our brain has limited capacity. If we remembered every single thing that we do every single day, we'd run out of room very quickly. And therefore, those things which are just ordinary, matter of fact, we just discard them from our filing system. I mean, maybe if you go into deep hypnosis, you could find them, but they're certainly not available for immediately, immediate recall. Some people have better memories, some have worse memories. Some people can remember what people say to them, not maybe word for word, but they can remember um, a lot more details than others. But ultimately, we don't remember everything. We remember the things that are important to us, that have made a deep impression, a profound impression on us, but we don't remember everything. That being the case, it's important to know that it's not just an ayin roya and an oizen shema'as, because that's in the moment that, you know, sometimes you say something silly and the person hears you, but then the next day they'll have forgotten. It's not important. It's not sufficiently important for, to have left any kind of long-term impression. But when it comes to Hashem, says Rebbe, kol ma'asecha basefer nichtovin. Everything that you do, all your actions, everything that goes on in your life is recorded. And ultimately, by the way, that's, it's a good thing if you do good stuff, because then even the things you've forgotten, you know, you, you helped somebody and you forgot that you helped somebody. It's happened to me sometimes that a person walks up to me and says, do you remember you invited me or you called me up or you helped me in that situation? And the truth is, I don't have any recollection of it. I don't particularly remember helping that person. I know the person is, but I, sometimes I don't even know who the person is. So, Hashem remembers. Hashem knows what you've done. That's on the good side. But on the bad side, sometimes you do things which you're not terribly proud of. And you hope that nobody saw, nobody heard, and that will be forgotten. They'll be wiped away. It will be obliterated. No. It's not what happens. Unless you do teshuva for it, unless you regret it and go through the full process of teshuva, which is regret, you promise never to do it again, you say vidui, you do whatever, it, whatever needs to be done in order to make good that which you have done bad, chol ma'asecha b'sefer nichtovin. Everything that you do is written, it's on record, and it can be waved in your face at that final moment when your neshama is going to be in the Olam HaEmes, in the world of truth, and your life will, as it were, flash before you, will be flashed before you. We go on now to the next Mishnah. It's the second Mishnah. Rabban Gamliel ben Neusher of Yehuda HaNosi Oimeh. So we're now on for the next Rabban Gamliel. This is the third Rabban Gamliel. He was the son of Rabbi Yehuda HaNosi. And he said as follows, You need to understand that Torah is only valuable, it's only worthwhile, it only is meaningful if it is accompanied by Derech Eretz. What's Derech Eretz? So it's two Pshatim. I'm going to go with the main Pshat first and I'll tell you the other Pshat as well. The first and main Pshat is that unless you are a working person, unless you are a person who is gainfully employed, that you're doing something useful that's beyond the, um, the, uh, the walls, the Kaisle base medrash, 
You're doing something, you get up in the morning, you have a purpose to your day, you work, you do something, you earn money, you supply money and parnosa for your family. If all you're doing is studying Torah, to the exclusion of everything else, and you don't take care of Derech Eretz, that doesn't have enduring value. For as he says, um, Somebody who is studying Torah and is engaged in providing a parnosa with Derech Eretz, doing what he needs to do in order to supply parnosa for himself and his family, he won't have time to do Averis. He'll be too occupied because with every spare moment that he has, he'll either be working or be studying Torah. He won't have time to do an Avera. Because when it comes to doing Avera, he said, well, I don't have time. I've got to go to a shir. I've got to study Pirkei Ovis with Rabbi Duna. I've got to uh, go and work. I've got to do the work that I need to do. That being the case, he won't have time to do Averis. Make sure that you fill up your day, says Rabbi Gamliel, make sure that your day is fully occupied either with work or with Torah, in equal measure. You can't abandon one for the other. That's what he's saying. You might think in order to be a good person, you must abandon work for Torah. Or you might think, ah, it's not worth studying Torah. It's all theory. It's not necessary. Yes, it's wonderful. There's spiritual people who love it and they can uh, live in their rarefied world and study Torah, but I need to work. No. That's not true. It's a partnership. The partnership that exists is between Torah, which is, I mean, close to God, through the study of the Torah that he gave us at Mount Sinai, and to do the work that you need to do in order to sustain your human life. Derech Eretz. That's the first pshat. The second pshat is, Derech Eretz, it's no good if you study Torah if you're not a man who has moral standards. If you're not a man who is ethical, not a woman who is ethical, if you are engaged in Torah, but your attitude stinks, and you're not a nice person, then your Torah has no value. That's what he's saying. It's important to make sure that your Torah is accompanied by good manners, by good behavior, by good character, then your Torah is going to have meaning. The called Torah she'ein imam alocha, he continues. And any Torah that doesn't have alongside it a malocha, that means you're not somebody who does something meaningful and useful in terms of earning a living alongside your study of Torah, soifa betela the goireres ovain. That's very powerful. If you study Torah, but you don't do anything else, you don't have anything which is gainful employment, you're not engaged in any kind of activity that can sustain you in your human life, then your Torah ultimately is going to be worthless. You become a person who lives in this theoretical world of Torah. You've studied, you've been through Dafyomi 14 times, and you've uh, studied all the Halacha, and you've studied all the Musas for him, but it doesn't have any practical application. What's the point of studying Baba Kama, Baba Metziah, and Baba Basra, if you're never engaged with other people, because that's what these three Masechtas are about. The theory is wonderful. The Lomdas is great. But in reality, it's about people, engaging with people, understanding people. And if you have no contact with people, if you don't have a malocha, if you never come across anything which is going to require you to apply the learning of Torah to your real day-to-day -day life, then ultimately the Torah is going to go to waste. And it's going to lead to sin it will ultimately lead you to becoming a sinner. Why? Because you won't, in fact, engage with what the Torah is telling you to do. It's going to be pointless and meaningless to you. And that being the case, you will be a sinner. 
It's inevitable, it's by default. And finally, says Rabbi Gamliel, by the way, it's final in this Mishnah, he continues in the next Mishnah with another wonderful statement, which we'll get to next time. But he says as follows, All of those who are engaged in helping in communal matters. You know, we all want to feel that we're doing something not just for ourselves, we're not being just selfish, but we are uh, engaged in helping the community at large, we're doing things which are important for our community, for the people among whom we live. So you're an omel im hatzibur. You are meilim imayim l'shem shamayim. You must make sure, you must make every effort that the reason you're doing it is not because you're looking for honor, for respect, for attention, for personal gain. You must do it l'shem shamayim. You must do it for the sake of heaven. You must do it for the sake of Hashem. You must do it because it's the right thing to do. That's your aspiration, says Rabban Gamliel ben Neusher of Yehuda Nossi. Your aspiration has to be that you're doing it because it's the right thing to do. That's what Hashem wants you to do. Because ultimately, you're not going to succeed because you're so great at everything that you do. It's important to remember. Take, you to, take yourself down a notch or two. What does that mean? That we think that somehow our involvement in communal the public matters, and when we contribute to public matters, the reason why that is successful, whatever we do succeeds, is because we're so fantastic and we're so great at what we do. We're professionals, we have a lot of experience and knowledge and education, etc., etc., and that's why we're successful. Says Rabbi Gamliel ben No, that's not the case at all. You take the first step. The rest is because you have zechusim, you have merits from your ancestors going all the way back to Avram, Yitzhak and Yaakov. They were the first people who worked with a tzibur. They were the first people who did things l'shem shamayim. And you doing l'shem shamayim, you fit into that same groove and God will give you an extra lift, will enable you to succeed in your communal work because you have the zechusim of your forebears of your forefathers, of your ancestors. And nevertheless, says Hashem, and this is Rabbi Gamliel telling us, even though you shouldn't be able to take any type of kudos, any type of credit for what you may have done for the tzibur, because ultimately it's only because of your, uh, of your merits, uh, of your ancestors, nevertheless, Hashem promises us, if you do it, and you do it l'shem shamayim, even though I am helping you, even though the only reason you succeed is because I'm behind you and I'm keeping you going, nevertheless, you will merit the benefit of all this chusim for having achieved that objective. That is the promise. I will give you much reward as if you did it yourself, as if you did it without my help. So that's a wonderful promise. A wonderful haftocha from Hashem. That get it, get yourself involved in communal matters. Do it l'shem shamayim. Know that the only reason that if you succeed you're successful is because you have fathers and grandfathers and ancestors before you who have given you those chusim. But you should know that if you've gone through that process, God will benefit you with reward as if you did it on your own steam. That's an amazing haftocha, and it's with that haftocha that we'll end today. Thank you.